And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. Well, we just read the passage a minute ago uh, that talks to husbands, so I just want to begin with a very basic question. Husband, do you really love your wife? How does your love... Oh, now he reaches over and squeezes her. How does your love for her compare to Christ's love for the church? Because that's what Paul is doing here. He tells us that it moved him to give himself for her on the cross. It's safe to say that no matter how long you've been married and no no matter how happy your marriage may be at the moment, there's always a need to grow in Christ-like love for your wife. Now, I'm going to be applying these comments specifically to husbands because our text does. I should also point out that Jesus commanded all of us to love each other as He has loved us. Okay, So that's kind of an overarching. But there is also a specific sense in which Paul applies the need for Christ-like love to Christian husbands. I just thought of this. The, the command to love, which we, which we see here, it is a command. Husbands, love your wives. It's in the present tense. I'll talk about that in just a second. But three times in Scripture, husbands are commanded to love their wives. Do you know that wives are not commanded to love their husbands? Very interesting. Just be aware of that. Think about that. Here's the overall gist of the message. Christ-like love should characterize each husband's relationship with his wife. Now, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we come just to recognize that we need the help of your Holy Spirit and pray that you would pour him out this morning to give us understanding, to give us wisdom. Show us what it means to love our wives as you, Jesus, love the church. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Christian marriage is an earthly picture of the relationship between Christ and His bride, which is us, the church. The world should be able to look at a Christian marriage and see a distinctive difference in the way that husbands and wives relate to one another. Just as they should look at our individual lives and see a difference from the people around, they should look at our relationships, particularly our husband-wife relationship, and go, hmm, what is going on there? Now, a happy marriage is not the purpose of this text. If you do what this text says, you will have a happy marriage, but that's not the purpose. The purpose here is to help us all glorify our Savior through marriages that reflect the relationship between Christ and His church. So really just three major points. It's going to be a short message. Don't, don't, don't worry too much. Number one, love is the priority for the husbands. Okay? There's a couple things here. A, authority is not the priority. If you were to ask uh, Christian husbands, what is your main responsibility towards your wife? You would often hear, to be the head of my home, to be the head of the family. And to be sure, uh, that is a serious responsibility. But that is not what Paul says here when he addresses husband. Rather, he literally says, husbands, be continually loving your wives. It's in the present tense. It's not something you do once. <laughs> it's something you do every moment of every day. Husbands, be continually loving your wives. What this tells us is the husband, not the husband primarily and, and not the wife, is responsible to set an atmosphere of love in the home. Isn't that interesting? That's the husband's job. 
Well, the second thing here, material provision is not the priority. Many American Christian husbands think that their main responsibility is to provide a good lifestyle or a good home for the family, and they see their jobs as an expression of love for their wife and their family. And to some degree it is. I'm not going to argue that. But the truth is, many men find it easier to give their wives and children things rather than to spend time with them, to share their hearts with them in deep, loving relationships. Now, while men are to provide, we cannot deny that, their main responsibility to their wife is to love her. Now, that's not easy, right? We wouldn't be told to love our wives. We wouldn't be told to love God if, if, it, came, if it just came naturally, if it was easy to do. Our second major point here is that love is possible for all husbands. All right? A, love is possible because it's commanded. Now, God never commands us to do something unless He gives us the power to accomplish it. Now, these uh, verses, they reflect the results of being filled with the Spirit. Just a few verses early in verse 18, He says, be filled with the Spirit, right? Uh, while we're never going to do it perfectly in this life, can I get an amen? That should be from everybody. Uh, with the Spirit's power, we can make significant progress in growing in loving our wives. Well, B, love is possible because it is commanded to men of, of, of every conceivable background. Now, ladies, you may be in a marriage where your husband has fallen uh, into the sinful ways of the world. Maybe he has been unfaithful to you. Perhaps you have been unfaithful to him. Uh, maybe it's just that your romantic love seems to have grown cold over time. Still, it's possible through obedience to God's Word to turn that marriage, that marriage relationship around so that it not only honors God, which we wanted to do, but it's also fulfilling for the couples themselves. But to apply Paul's command, we must be clear about what he means by love. Uh, is it that overpowering feeling that swept you off your feet when you saw her face for the first time? I mean, we know what that's about, right? Well, the third major point here is, that, is, is a definition. Love is portrayed as a self-sacrificing, caring commitment that shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one loved. Now, each part of that definition comes directly out of our text. Love is self-sacrificing just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. That's self-sacrificing. Love is caring just as a man nourishes and cherishes his own flesh as Christ does the church. Love is also a commitment. That's implied by the command to love. Also by Christ's covenant love for us and by the analogy of the body. Right? We take care of ourselves. Love shows itself. That is, it's not just words. It's also deeds. And that's seen by Christ going to the cross for us. Love, the last part, seeks the highest good of the one loved. Just as Christ died for us so that He might sanctify us and cleanse us to present us to Himself in all of our glory one day as holy and blameless. So the definition fits this text, and, and you really should think about applying it daily toward your wife. 
It's very important to clear out of our mind the Hollywood concept of love. That is, that, that love is primarily sexual attraction that, that hits you mysteriously out of nowhere and just as mysteriously evaporates apart from your power to do anything about it. Certainly, God designed it so that love involves a mutual sexual attraction. Without it, I wouldn't advise a couple to, to get married. But to sustain and deepen love over a lifetime, we've got to understand Paul's teaching here. So I want to explore in the text um, more depth by presenting ten contrasts to help sharpen our understanding of what biblical love looks like practically. Okay, so contrast number one, love is sacrificial. It, it, it's not selfish. Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. So He is our standard. Now a husband may say, well, I would die for my wife if it ever came down to it. But here's the real question. Are you crucifying yourself daily on behalf of your wife? Is your focus on setting aside your selfish desires in order to meet her needs... Or is it still on just using her to meet your own needs? Contrast number two, love is purposeful. It's not aimless, uh, effortless ecstasy. That's kind of the Hollywood notion of it. The world views love as an aimless, effortless state of ecstasy. If you have to work at it or give it any effort, then you must not have the real deal. True love is totally spontaneous. Uh, uh, spontane spon Spontaneous, thank you, and unplanned. But that's not true. Paul gives us Christ's purpose in giving Himself for the church. It's in verses 26 and 27. He says, So that He, Christ, may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the Word, that He might present to Himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she, that she would be holy and blameless. Biblical love involves effort to reach a purpose. Christ doesn't achieve His aims for His bride by effortless spontaneity. He has a definite purpose and He works with us to achieve it with our wives. Three things here. A, married love has an exclusive purpose. Paul says that he might sanctify her. Do you know what sanctify means? It means to be set apart unto God for His purposes. Now in practical, practical terms, men, this means that you must put a protective fence around your love for your wife. There's no place for flirting with other women in any way, shape, or form. A Christian husband must guard the exclusivity of his relationship with his wife. B, married love has a cleansing purpose. To sanctify means to set, be set apart exclusively to God. Cleansing refers to the removal of our sins. It's through the word of the gospel that we are cleansed and set apart unto God. Now, the application for husbands is that we must be committed to the total well-being of our wives, but especially to their spiritual growth in holiness. You should read the Word with your wife. You should pray for your wife. You should pray with your wife so that she will grow in holiness. We'll see, married love has a, an edifying purpose. The entire thr thrust of verses 26 and 27 is of the Lord building up His church so that we will be holy and blameless when Jesus returns. That has been the purpose from eternity. 
The application for Christian husbands is kind of obvious. Any thoughts, words, deeds that put your wife down, that ridicule her, that attack her, that tear her down, they're not in line with God's given purpose. Your words, your deeds must build up your wife. Well, the third contrast is love is realistic. It's not blind. You've heard that, love is blind. No, it's very realistic. A godly husband, husband accepts his wife for who she is and graciously, patiently works with her to help her to become all that God desires for her to be. The fact that a wife is far from perfect, that doesn't detract a husband from his steadfast love for her. Contrast number four, love is initiating It's not dependent on a response. Love initiates. The book of Ephesians and all of Scripture is clear that God took the initiative in in loving us and drawing us to salvation. Applied to husbands, this means that you must continually initiate and demonstrate self-sacrificing love for your wife, regardless of her response. That's hard to take, isn't it? Regardless. You've got to give 100% love even if she's being disagreeable or difficult to live with. Love takes the initiative. It is not dependent on a response from the loved one. Contrast number five, love is unconditional. Not conditioned on performance of any kind. This is really the outworking of the previous point. Uh, You not only have to initiate love when it's undeserved, you also must steadily maintain love over the long haul, even when your wife is not being particularly lovely. I'm not going to get an amen out of that because somebody will get slapped. The husband's job is not to get his wife to submit to him. Paul's already talked about that earlier in Ephesians 5 here. But to love her... Just as Christ loves an often disobedient church. His love for us doesn't depend on our obedience, does it? No, it's it's there. It's golden from day one when we become His child. Contrast number six. Love is a total sharing of life, not two independent lives. Paul says in verse 28 and 29, So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Now he's not encouraging us to learn how to love ourselves so that then we can learn how to love our wives. No, he's pointing out the fact that normal people love their bodies. And that's seen in the way that we care for our bodies. It's seen in the way that we protect our bodies from harm. Well, his his point here is that your wife, husbands, is part of your body. Just as we, the church, are members of Christ's body. A husband and wife are now one flesh. When you love her, guess what? You're loving your own body. If your wife is hurting, that means you are hurting too. If you attack her with harsh words, you're attacking yourself. She's part of your body. Love her. Contrast number seven. Love is responsible, not irresponsible. Paul writes in verses 28 and 30 through 30 that husbands must nourish and cherish their wives just as Christ also does the church because we are members of His body. 
This reveals at least two important ways that husbands must demonstrate responsible love for their wives. A, love provides. It's not lazy. Nourish has the nuance of feeding. Every man feeds his own body. Every husband is responsible to feed his wife. Uh, Paul tells us in 1 Timothy there that a lazy man who refuses to work to provide for his family uh, is worse uh, than an unbeliever or an infidel, as some passages or in translations say. Now, nourishing also implies that a husband cares about his wife's total well-being, and he exerts himself to provide for her in every way. He makes the effort to provide for her both spiritually and emotionally. Well, the second way that we show that we provide is love is caring. It's not callous. Love cherishes. That's the word Paul uses. The word means warmth. It really pictures a mother tenderly holding a baby against her body to keep it warm from the cold. Now again, this verb stems from the analogy of the wife actually being part of the husband's, husband's body. This is a good illustration for this morning. If you were to stand outside for, say, 10 or 15 minutes and leave your hands outside your pockets, what would happen? They would have gotten extremely cold and you wouldn't go, doggone stupid hands, stay out in the cold for all I care. No, what do you do? You put them in your pockets and you warm them up. Responsible love nourishes and cherishes your wife. Well, contrast number eight, love is emotionally mature. Not immature. Paul goes all the way back to, in verse 31, to Genesis 2. Right? This is where God set things up for men and women. He says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, this was given for our instruction to show us that a man must be mature enough to leave his parents when he's going to enter into marriage. A husband must leave his parents so that he can be joined to the wife and lead her in a mature, responsible manner. He should be her leader, not her little boy. Well, contrast number nine, love is a permanent commitment. Be joined there in verse 31 means be glued to. That means when you get married, you're stuck. Marriage creates a new one flesh identity of head and body. It's the permanent the commitment that enables a couple to work through difficulties, as we all must do. How many of you who are married have ever worked through anything with your spouse? Yeah, you know you have at some point. It's going to happen. But there's, there's something about that permanence of marriage that makes it more doable. You see, marriage is an earthly picture of Christ and the church. For a husband to threaten to leave his wife over a problem would be like Christ threatening to leave his bride to the church. But you know what he's already said? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, contrast number 10, love is a growing, exclusive intimacy. It's not a casual relationship. One flesh refers primarily to the sexual union. God has designed the sexual union to create this intimate one flesh relationship. But it is to be confined within the boundary of lifelong marriage in order to deepen the relationship between a husband and a wife. Casual sex outside of the permanence of marriage is never an expression of love, only of lust. 
I read this story and I didn't read it down. I'm going to try to repeat it. This man heard something on the radio and it was a preacher preaching on a subject like this saying how you should be thoughtful for your wife. All right, you, That's one way that you can love her is to be thoughtful of her. And he was actually headed to a vacation to the cabin. The kids and the wife were already there. He'd got off work. And now he is headed there. And once he gets there, so he says, okay, for the next two weeks on this vacation, I'm going to be totally thoughtful. I'm going to love my wife like I've never loved her before. Well, as soon as he gets there, his his... You know, decision is being challenged. She she says, "Let's go for a walk on the beach." He wants to sit there. He's he's driven several hours. He wants to sit there and read, and he almost objects. But then he thinks, "You know what? She has been here for three or four days with just the kids, and she wants to talk to me now." Okay, let's go. So we talked for the next two weeks. He treats her marvelously. He goes to the Shell Museum, even though he hates going to museums. He, um, what else? Well, there was, there was a couple other things demonstrating what he did for her during this time. Uh, he didn't even scold her when because of her own uh, tardiness, they were late for a dinner, a dinner uh, thing that they were having. He didn't say a word. He just, just went with the flow. The last night they're there, they're getting into bed, and, and, and the wife looks rather somber, distressed. And he says, what's the matter, honey? And she says, is everything okay? And he says, what do you mean? She goes, you know, two or three weeks ago, we had that appointment with the doctor. Did he tell you something? Am I going to die? And he goes, what are you talking about? She says, no, you're not going to die. He says, well, you've just been so nice over these, these last two weeks. I've never seen anything like it, you know, and I just thought maybe it's because I was going to die. And he goes, and then when he figured out what's going on, he busted out laughing. He says, no, honey, you're not going to die. I've just realized how to start living. It will make a difference in your relationship if you'll be thoughtful for your wife. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Do you love your wife even as you love yourself? If not, the assignment's rather clear, isn't it, men? <laughs> Get started this next week. Love your wife. Let's pray. Father, Again, thank You for the encouragement, uh, also the conviction of Your Word that speaks truth into our hearts, and oftentimes it is hard truth. And that may be some hard truth for some folks this morning. They're not doing a good job of loving their wives. So God, I pray that You would just cement this into their mind. Let them not get away from it. Father, I pray that it would bear fruit in their heart and in their relationship with their wife. God, for, for the folks, for the marriages in our congregation, we pray that when the church, when the world looks at them, that they will see something different. And Father, they will see what the relationship between Christ and her church, his church, looks like. So, Father, help us to love our wives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've mentioned it a couple times this morning. We, uh, husbands are to love their wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Maybe you've never experienced that love. I, I promise you, that is the ultimate love. Yeah, there's something special about a, a marriage relationship love, but it's nothing compared to the love with which God loves us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you have everlasting life? Have you tasted this love of God?
I encourage you this morning, if you're searching, if you're hurting, you do not know the love of God. It's through His Son, Jesus. I encourage you to come talk to me. We're going to have an invitation in just a minute. Come share with me what's going on in your heart and in your life. Jesus really is. I know this is cliche. Jesus is the answer. But you know what, folks? He really is. When you get down to brass tacks, it's about Him. Everything in life. So I encourage you, if you do not know God through His Son, Jesus Christ, this morning, you come talk to me about it. We'll spend some time together in your Word, and I'll show you what it means to trust God, to believe in Jesus, and to give Him your eternity. Uh, if, if you're a believer this morning, I hope that you've just been touched. Now, wives, this is not ammunition for you to go home and see, did you hear what Brother Dave said about XYZ? No, you let the Holy Spirit do the work in your husband's heart. All right? Uh, You know, I did see a few elbows. That's okay. That's all right. Let the Holy Spirit do that work in your hearts and produce in you a more Christ-like relationship with your wife. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, CrawfordvilleFBC.com.